Welcome back to the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm your host, Karen McCracken. I appreciate you tuning into this episode, which is titled, But Those Shoes Don't Fit My Feet. That's right. Those shoes don't fit my feet. Um, I start out each podcast, though, with what I like to call a pod quote, and I'm going to jump right into that today. So a tad bit of encouragement is what I hope comes your way, or maybe something thought-provoking from this little pod quote that I do each and every time. So today's pod quote is by someone named Sheba Santa. Not not like Santa Claus, but Santa, S-A-N-A. So are you ready for it? Here goes. If shoes had eyes, it would be amazing, as well as devastating, to realize just what it takes to walk in someone else's shoes. I love that quote, Sheba, whomever you are. I'm going to say it again. If shoes had eyes, it would be amazing, as well as devastating, to realize just what it takes to walk in someone else's shoes. I really appreciate you joining me today, and we are going to talk about, you guessed it, shoes. Um, shoes are a favorite topic of mine, actually, because I love shoes. Um, they don't always love my feet, but, um, and my feet don't always love how they feel, but I just have this passion for shoes. Uh, anyhow, uh, so we're going to talk about shoes, but I just wanted to say thank you again for joining me. If you will go out to my Instagram, which is one woman inspired and if you search just put in the number one followed by woman inspired you will find me if you will follow me that would be great and if you'll share this podcast with someone i'd really appreciate it you can find this podcast which is the woman inspired podcast on podbean spotify google play and that apple app store so all right here we go so one of the things i naturally have on my resume is that i speak at women's conferences and retreats. I've been doing that for almost 20 years now. I've been blessed with the opportunity to reach women all over the country. And a few years back though, while I was looking for a part-time job to help supplement income, I had to kind of rein in a little bit of that because a job interview is not the same as standing up and talking in front of 20, 40, 50, 300 women at a time, right? So, but one time during an interview, at a church, they asked me to share with them a bit about the speaking, preaching, and teaching that means so much to me. So there I sat in front of a panel of, I think it was about 12 people, including the senior pastor, whom I'd already met with a few times. And he asked me, Karen, I'm wondering when you're up there speaking in front of a large group of people and you look out and see people fidgeting in the pew and and then their heads start to bob and they start nodding off and dozing off, what do you do? How do you handle that? Of course, me being me, I, I probably looked at him and said, well, I don't know, Pastor. I've never had that happen. How do you handle it? And that, my friends, is why I was hired, because I made them laugh. <laughs> But laughter comes with my shoes, the shoes that I walk in. It just fits me. My whole family actually is uh, pretty punny, quirky, uh, extremely quick with their sense of humor. And I mean, not just me, but my my cousins, my brothers, my sisters, my both of my parents, aunts and uncles, even distant cousins I don't see very often. So it wasn't just my household that I was raised in, although I think that my household was, my family is definitely the funniest, but I think it's in our DNA. So that is part of the path that I walk in 
and the shoes that I have are shoes of laughter. Making people laugh. That's part of my journey. And somewhere in there must be a gene that also makes people cry because I do a fairly good job at uh, making people cry as well. But again, these are the shoes that I walk in. Would I want to walk in anyone else's shoes? Um, I used to think so. Sure, I mean, I want to experience different things and from a different viewpoint and learn how to empathize better and sympathize with people, but I've really come to a place in my life where I am decidedly content most of the time with where God has me, with this path he has me on and these shoes I walk in. So I doubt there's anyone out there, though, who would say they'd readily want to walk in my shoes for a day or a week or a year or something, or a mile, as we hear people say, we'll walk in their shoes for a mile. There's a lot of people you could choose if you were going to choose to walk in their shoes that you would choose over me. Because, first of all, this physically, logistically speaking about feet, if you were to walk in my shoes, you'd have to have big feet because I wear a size 11 shoe. Yes, <laughs> I know. If you saw me, you'd laugh because I'm not six feet tall and I'm not six foot two. Although I technically should be and I got robbed. I tell people that because I have the hands of a basketball player, the shoulders of a football player, and the feet of someone who should be over six foot tall and in the WNBA. Um, but my the rest of my body did not follow suit. Other than that, I think about my life though and I think it's just it's just not that extraordinary or unique, although it is blessed, but it is, can be to someone else, maybe seem humdrum and ho-hum and blah, 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 but it's not to me, and it's definitely not boring, so, um, and I'm not allowed to say the word boring in context because my mother doesn't allow it, because if we're bored, then she'll make sure we're not bored, and I was raised that way, so don't tell her I use that word just now, like, um, five times in less than 20 seconds okay so for some reason someone did want to take a stroll in my shoes for 24 hours though or a mile down the road or five miles down the road for a week or a year they'd really have to be able to laugh or learn how to laugh at themselves fairly quickly they'd have to be able to put on their funky shoes and their crazy socks and say the heck with it whatever it is and know that it's okay to laugh at it There are a lot of things I'm not good at, but laughter, that's one thing I can do. So seeing the brighter side of things, seeing things with a crazy point of view and focusing on the goofier side of circumstances, that I can do. I definitely have some goofy shoes. So one time I was asked to speak to a group of senior citizens. They asked me if I could share a little bit about my faith journey. So wow. Um, let's just say kind of having a blanket open invitation like that is great, but it also can be a little daunting because it leaves a lot of options for what I might be able to speak about. Uh, Probably too many options. I mean, it's just an open carte blanche here. Talk to us. Um, so it's enjoyable though, when a church uh, or woman's conference, contacts me and says, hey, we have this scripture as a theme, or we want this topic to be the topic of our conference. Can you come address the ladies and share about this topic? Because even though I may not know anything about the particular topic, or I may not know the scripture as well as I should, I can study and I can take time to pray into it and write about it and see where the Holy Spirit leads me with it 
which I absolutely love to do. But it's a little bit more difficult when someone just says, hey, come talk to us. So I, I could talk about anything. I could talk about chocolate or gardening or how I wish the grocery stores would clean their basket handles more often. I mean, <laughs> I could talk about anything. But as usual, the Holy Spirit did not disappoint. I just prayed into it. And if you hear a noise in the background, that's the train outside going by. I have no control over the schedule. Sorry about that. But anyway, back to my story. Um, so the Holy Spirit dis- didn't disappoint. Um, I prayed about it. No, I did not get up and talk about grocery carts. But I did talk about my shoes. <laughs> Since they wanted to know a little bit about my journey, that got me to thinking about what I've been saying in this podcast today walking in my shoes or walking in someone else's shoes. You know, what shoes do you have that you're supposed to walk in? So since they wanted me to share a bit about my faith journey and a few things about myself, I kind of had to pare down all the things I could share and pick and choose what info they might be interested in or what info God would want me to share that might be pertinent. Otherwise I'd be talking for hours and hours on end. So I had to pare it down. So I turned to the Bible, and one of my favorite passages from Hebrews is, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The more I thought about that passage, I knew the answer to what I wanted to share was tied to my passion to have endurance to keep moving forward and to take heart in the fact that the Lord is my source of strength and my help on this journey and this walk on the day to day and each step by step, each foot by footfall by footfall that sharing with others would what my journey is and the shoes that I walk in for just a moment, for just a glimpse or just a small span of mileage for someone to see what it's like to be in my shoes. So I knew that's what was on my heart. So that's what I decided to share with this senior citizens group. So naturally, I turned to my closet for assistance, (laughs) to my shoes, to be more precise. So I showed up to the luncheon with a huge Rubbermaid container filled with various pairs of my shoes. Since I've had such a hard time finding shoes in my life that actually fit me and fit me well uh, and that don't hurt my feet, I learned early on to take excellent care of them. I actually had shoes in that Rubbermaid container that were over 17 years old. I took them out though one pair at a time, not in any particular order. I didn't have much of a plan actually going into this talk or any kind of a script to go off of, but I just thought, hey, I'm going to pull them out of my Rubbermaid container one pair at a time and go from there. So I pulled out some sturdy work boots with amazing tread on them. They were brown with black laces, and they came up high on my ankles. They still do because I still have them, and they're in my closet. Because I bought them, actually, to take to uh, New York City with me when I served there for 10 days, uh, starting on September 13, 2001. So those boots took me down an empty Wall Street covered with soot. They walked me through the halls of an abandoned airport hangar where our disaster relief group slept 
on cots while we took turns on feeding crews. Um, they took me into the Red Cross ERV vehicles going downtown to pass out water to firefighters, police officers, officers, and the National Guard. So that's the story I told when I pulled out that particular pair of shoes, those boots. Then came my brown flowered boots. These boots are awesomely comfortable, um, and they're lined with corduroy inside. So it sounds odd, but oh, they're so comfortable, especially on really cold days when my feet need to be warm. Um, and there was especially one day where we had 16 inches of snow fall on top of the freezing rain that had fallen the night before. And so that's what sparked a memory in me from those particular boots is this big snowfall we had because <laughs> those are the boots I was wearing when I was trying to defrost and clean off my car that was frozen under that 16 inches of snow. And the temperature uh, was just right that as I leaned over to clean the windshield, my coat got stuck to the car, actually frozen to it. And the tassels from the bottom of my coat had gotten slammed in the car door, which I didn't know until I tried to move. So as I tried to move, I couldn't. And then my body heat created just enough of a temperature uh, difference that I got frozen to the side of my car. <laughs> yes, I, I actually did. So praise God for my neighbor. Um, as I'm facing the house, I was twisted with one arm across my car, my sleeve frozen to the windshield, my body frozen to the side of the car, and I hear, Karen, <clears throat> are you okay? Uh, no, I think my car likes me a little too much. <laughs> uh, thank God he was outside. Um, but then there were these shiny black leather dress boots that I brought out of the box that I'd had for over 15 years. Um, and I that had had them resold twice. I'd worn them so much. I wore those to the courthouse also um, the day that I adopted my son. So then one by one, I pulled out shoe after shoe, goofy slippers, not like funny slippers, but literally goofy, like Disney goofy slippers, deck shoes, sandals. And, and then I pulled out my leg casts. Yep. Casts. A small boot for my ankle, a large boot that goes all the way up to my knee, a cast cut off uh, my leg at one point that I had nicely decorated with Sharpie markers to make it look like I had tattoos on my cast, um, knee braces, ankle braces. You see, those are also, um, though technically not shoes, they took the place of shoes when I couldn't wear shoes. Because unless you have walked in my shoes... And walked a mile in my life. You might not know why those are in my closet. Or why I have them in that Rubbermaid container. It's because they're a part of my faith journey. A part of my walk. You might be thinking. Like the people I was speaking to that day. Well shoes are just shoes right? Yes but no. Shoes can be a sign of status in our culture. They can be a sign of pain of financial need, of profession, or even of religion. For most of us who live anywhere from poverty level on up to great wealth in the United States, most of us have a choice of what shoes we wear. We at least have one or two pair of shoes, and we might be able to go to a thrift store or um, a Walmart or a Goodwill or a clothes closet or a high-end shoe store in the mall and be able to choose a pair of shoes. But shoes are not one size fits all. 
and they do tell a story of sorts, don't you think? I mean, you know, when you go to buy a pair of shoes, there are so many different kinds of shoes. There's high heels, uh, mid-height heels, strappy shoes, sandals, flip-flops, work boots, snow boots, boots with zippers, cowboy boots. Uh, there's shoes with sparkly things in color and different kinds of treads and tennis shoes or high tops, which, by the way, are my favorite, and thousands of different brands under the sun. So just a note here in case you couldn't tell, I love shoes. <laughs> I don't wear high heels anymore because I can't. I haven't been able to in a very long time. In fact, I've worn them once probably in the last 10 years. But I still love shoes. And my pink and black Converse All-Star high tops are currently my favorite shoe. They fit me perfectly. Yes, they are size 11. And I got them. <clears throat> I'm sharing with you now. Please don't hate me. But I got them at a consignment shop for $12. And they were practically brand new. Yes. <laughs> and I used to have these pale yellow Converse All-Stars with daisies on them, but I lost them. I don't have them anymore, and I still mourn them. I'm just telling you, <laughs> I have not been able to find a pair of pale yellow Converse All-Stars with daisies on them like this in a size 11 since then, and that was about 12 years ago. So if you're listening to this and you know where my shoes are or where I can find a pair, I would appreciate it if you would email me. Thank you. Okay, so we know, though, that there is no way they can make shoes that are one size fits all. That's what I was saying before. They really shouldn't create clothing that is one size fits all either because we all know that's not truly an accurate term for anything in life. Nothing fits all. There is no one size fits all of anything. Can we just declare right now that the one size fits all marketing scheme is a big, huge lie? Thank you very much. I know for me, I don't like any shoe that's too tight around my toes either. I don't want any of those pointed shoes that a lot of women like and they look flattering for them and they must enjoy them, but I don't want any of those. They try to push my big toe and my baby toe to the middle of my foot at the same time. Those two toes are not neighbors and they do not need to be. One of those piggies is eating roast beef and the other one is going wee 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 all the way home and they don't need to meet inside that pointy pain-inducing shoe, okay? So I'm just saying that right there. I also don't want any shoe that is trying to make my heel raise 10 inches higher off the ground than it's supposed to be because for me, that's dangerous. Number one, I'll probably fall. Number two, it would hurt. But my body was not designed that way. Yes, it may give me an instant butt lift by my the backs of my heels lifting up the back of my butt <laughs> naturally, by being 10 inches higher, but I'm sorry, my butt can stay right where it is. I don't need the pain. But what fits me or suits me or meets my needs may not be what fits or suits someone else. Someone else might like their butt 10 inches higher off the ground. I don't. <laughs> I think I said before that I wear a size 11 shoe. I've said it a couple times and it's funny because I do comedy routines and sometimes I will talk about shoes and make fun of shoes and feet and all kinds of things like that. And when I tell people that I wear a size 11 shoe, I've literally encountered gasps from the audience. It's hilarious. It used to shock me that people would gasp by it. But now I laugh because they just see me and they think, oh, there's no way I would wear a size 11 shoe. There's no way my feet could be that big. But I do. <laughs> but because I wear a size 11 I don't want to have to fit into a size 8. I'm not going to squeeze my foot into 
a size eight that doesn't fit me or a six or walk around wearing a size 15 triple E where there's all of this room and it's uncomfortable and doesn't fit right either. I don't want to mash and push my feet or be in something that causes me the inability to walk. You can imagine someone like Michael Jordan um, or another really tall NBA player trying to squeeze their foot into a little girl size six tennis shoe. It would be impossible. And not only would it look ridiculous and maybe just one of their big toes would fit in that little shoe, but it wasn't meant to be. It's not the right fit. My point being is that walking in somebody else's shoes is not possible. Yes, the thought of swapping lives and circumstances with someone else for a day so they can learn some lessons and so we can make um, some big point sounds nice. It makes for a nice movie, but it's not possible. It would definitely give us the gift of empathy, but yet we all have our own shoes we're supposed to be in. We all have our own path we're destined to walk on. But my friends, contrary to common belief and contrary to the way much of our world today is acting, we don't have to walk in somebody else's shoes in order to have empathy for what they're going through. Yes, if we were able to be where someone else was and see what someone else saw and possibly even feel what someone else felt, then we would have an amazing level of empathy for their position and for where they are and for what they've gone through. We may go through something similar to another, and so we can empathize with that person more easily than another. But what about those that we have very little in common with? What do we do then? We don't get the opportunity to walk in their shoes or to go through something similar. I mean, my path is different than everybody else's and the shoes I wear are different than most people's. So does that mean no one can empathize with me? No, it's a choice. Wouldn't it be easy for all of us to empathize and have compassionate feelings for someone else or to do the right thing if we just knew exactly how someone else felt because we've been in their exact position? Yes, it would be. Wouldn't it be much easier in life if we all experienced the exact same things because then we would all be on the exact same playing field and we could all understand each other to a T. No wiggle room, no room for error, no room for or cop out for not empathizing. Yes, it would be easier, but that's not how life is. You may not empathize because you've not been in someone else's shoes, but that doesn't mean you can't empathize. It's a choice. And sometimes it takes work. I have something called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome or EDS. You might start to hear a little bit about it in the media, or maybe you have because it's there's becoming more of a focus on it, um, only because there's been a whole lot of work done for EDS awareness uh, in the last few years. And there's been uh, actually one or two athletes that I've seen on TV who, who have family members who have EDS. So a little bit of a spotlight's been put on it. That's kind of the way it goes in our culture, right? Anytime a major celebrity can put the focus on a medical condition, a disease, or a disorder, or a cause, then the more awareness there is and the more money and funding and attention that particular cause gets because it's being spotlighted uh, by someone who's famous. It's no different with EDS. But EDS is considered rare and sadly not 
many doctors and ERs or even insurance companies are familiar with it. So the general public as a whole is not that familiar with it. So what is what is this EDS that I'm talking about? Well, briefly, though definitely not an all-inclusive definition, is that it's a rare disorder of the connective tissues that's characterized by easy bruising, joint hypermobility, I can't talk, hypermobility of the mouth and tongue, apparently. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. It's a rare disorder of connective tissues that is characterized by easy bruising, joint hypermobility, which means loose joints, basically, skin laxity, and weaknesses of tissues. And there are different subsets or types of EDS, such as vascular, which is what I have. I have vascular along with hypermobile. Um, so I have this body, basically, let me just describe to you what that means. I gave you a whole bunch of jargon, and as you can tell, it was a little difficult for me to say as well. So sometimes it's a little difficult to hear it and digest it and understand what in the world that thing is, unless you know somebody, or you go out and Google it and watch a video on it. <laughs> so I have this body that doesn't like to comply very often with what I want it to do. My body has connected tissue issues and collagen issues. And to keep it as simple as possible, let's just say that there are areas of my body that should be holding my joints and bones in place, but they don't do it very well. The tendons and the ligaments move too much. They're too stretchy, too elasticized to properly hold everything together. So there are days I feel like uh, one of those little wooden marionettes. If you let the string go just a little bit, its various parts uh, fall all over and go this way and that way. Yeah, that's how I feel sometimes when I move or when I get up in the morning. I have too much ability to be stretchy where I'm not supposed to be stretchy and move about. So that means, oh, I don't know, my shoulder might dislocate while I'm reaching over to lift a heavy pan out of a cabinet. Or my knee might sublex, um, which means partially dislocate while I'm walking the dog or when I roll over in bed. <laughs> and I'm prone to a whole lot of other things uh, coming out of place and pain happening. So I have a handicap placard for my car. I don't always use it. In fact, I, I try to use it as little as possible because I want to make sure I get as much exercise as I can and keep my muscles as, as tight as possible. But there are days that I know when I get up out of bed or maybe maybe right before I'm heading out to go somewhere, that I know I can make it through the store, but I'll have a hard time making it back out of the store. So I use the placard. I pop it into my rearview mirror and go on. Or I might actually get into the car, and upon getting into the car, something pops out of place. It happens. I have to accommodate for these things. So when I pull into a store and I park in a handicapped spot, I put that little placard in my window and I get out of my car, I often just look like everybody else. I may be walking slowly or maybe I'm walking fine or maybe I'm limping or I'm not limping that day. I don't really ever know what's going to happen one day to the next, as with most of us, um, but in particular with EDS. So what, re what frequently comes to me and at me are negative comments from other people. Not every day and not every time and not usually if I'm with my husband. Okay, let me say that again. I don't usually get people making comments to me if I'm with my husband. So yeah, chew on that reality for a minute. Um, I might get told, though, something negative like, Oh, I see your handicap must be mental. Or they say, You have no right to be parking in handicapped parking. 
Or they might be oh so cowardly and leave me a note like someone did one time that says, I saw you got out of your getting out of your car. Being overweight is not a handicap. It's called laziness. And just for the record, this happens at grocery stores, the library, the mall, uh, and it's even happened at churches before. So there are times that I think, wouldn't it be nice if I could just say to someone who's telling me that my physical pain is all in my head, that they can have my shoes to walk in for a little bit here, or I could pass on my good old size 11s, but not my pink Converse All-Stars, um, because I don't care how much of a point I want to make. They can't have my Converse (laughs) All-Stars, but I'd like to pass on my shoes to one of those people for a few days and let them walk in my shoes. So please do feel what I feel. Experience what it's like to have your shoulder dislocate or your knee sublex or the pain that it is to try to prop yourself up with seven pillows every night to sleep so that nothing falls out of place somewhere or so that you don't wake up in excruciating pain in the morning. Please walk in these shoes. My orthopedic ones, my low heels, my no heels, my flats, my slippers, Um, Work hard to lift my laundry baskets without popping a rib out of place. And wear my ring splints so your fingers don't dislocate when you're doing things that you love to do. Like gardening or trying to paint something or, I don't know, writing a letter. Take a deep breath and pray and pray and pray that the next ER trip does not reveal that you have another aneurysm. You know, but that can't happen. I can't give someone else these shoes. We all have our own journey and we have to slip our shoes on for that journey. We all have our own challenges and adventures. We all have our own battles we're supposed to gird ourselves for. We all have our own path that we have to walk on. We all have, if you will, our own set of shoes designed for this adventure, designed for this life, designed for this particular path that God has presented to us. He has purpose for each one of us on that path. He has a bunch of some things that he wants each of us to do while we're here walking in these shoes. So, yep, one of my challenges is living victoriously, authentically, and embracing my genetically inherited gift of laughter (laughs) while managing my Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Maybe one of your challenges you have to walk in is MS or cancer, or learning disability, or an addiction, or, or being the, the sole caregiver at age 19 over all your brothers and sisters, or, or maybe one of the crosses you bear, or the difficult shoes you walk in is caring for an ailing parent, or having a lack of money, or a dysfunctional family, or, or a history of abuse, or, or mental health challenges, or most likely more than one or two different shoes that are difficult or painful to wear. No one else can walk in my shoes or your shoes. They may know a similar path and they may need to hear your similar story because it helps. My story and what God has brought me through and the victory that I walk in in my shoes helps encourage someone else to put their shoes on every day and walk the walk that they're supposed to walk. To talk the talk that they're supposed to talk. And to understand that no matter what happens in your shoes, there's hope through faith in Jesus Christ. And you can have faith in God and you can have faith in yourself even in the middle of pain, 
even in the middle of whatever battle it is you're supposed to put your shoes on for. But I'm the only one that can tell my story because I'm the only one that can walk in my shoes. And you're the only one that can tell your story because you're the only one that can walk in your shoes. Our shoes were designed for us and they fit us. I may not always like what's going on while I'm in my shoes. I definitely don't. In fact, there are a lot of times I can't stand it. And I talk to the Lord about it. And sometimes I yell and scream at the Lord about it. I don't always choose the right thing to do while I'm in these shoes. God, though sometimes I want to wear those pretty fancy heels, God, that make my butt look better. (laughs) But those shoes don't fit me. And he's shown me this. And in the long run, those shoes would hurt me far more than they would help me. And far more than they would make me feel better anyhow. Sometimes I've even tried to to trot down a different path in life. Slap on a different pair of shoes and pretend I'm on a different journey than the one I'm on. Or go a different way than I'm supposed to go. Because I don't want to go where I'm supposed to head. And if that sounds familiar, that's because it's extremely normal, if you will. Jonah did it. But God swallowed him up with a whale and spit him out where he was supposed to go in the first place. And I'm sure that was not pleasant. So I don't encourage it. Moses didn't want to do what God wanted him to do either because he didn't feel like he could. He didn't feel like he could talk in front of people, that he wasn't eloquent enough, that he couldn't speak like he was supposed to speak. And he didn't want to go up on that mountain or down that mountain, I'm sure. Sometimes walking in our own shoes like that can be daunting. We might want to, I don't know, sympathy for our path and props for the shoes we wear. You know, hey, look at me, feel bad for me. And, and, you know, look at the crosses we bear. But yet, we human beings have the habit of looking at someone else, even though we want sympathy and we want empathy. We look at someone else and we have little empathy for them, for what they're going through. And we don't even try to understand what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. But we do have the ability to do it. God made us with this ability to empathize with others, to have compassion for others. We're supposed to be Christ-like. He gives us the ability to do it. I'm not saying being perfect like Christ. I'm saying be Christ-like. To try to at least imagine with these brilliant brains and memories and imaginations that he gave us just what it's like to be in someone else's shoes so that we can truly empathize with them. You know, the Bible has a whole lot to say about empathy. In Romans twelve fifteen, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You may not have to understand exactly what causes their weeping or their rejoicing or even agree with it, but just be with them in the middle of whatever it is they're in and have the empathy that they are human beings walking in a set of shoes that you know nothing about. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When's the last time you felt the suffering of another person because you, even though you didn't know exactly what they were going through, you could empathize with them or you took the time to empathize with them. Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Where are our compassionate hearts? 
So I just want to leave you with one more thought about this good old shoe topic. We bandy around the idea of put yourself in someone else's shoes so often in our world. But how do you expect someone else to understand what it's like to be in your shoes and your situation with your challenges if you don't share it with them? Now, not everyone is as forthcoming (laughs) or talkative or some might say mouthy as I am, but we don't care what some say. I share what it's like to be in my shoes with other people, not so they'll feel sorry for me, but so number one, they know they're not alone. Other people do get it. I get it. I may not be exactly in your shoes or someone else's shoes, but I just may know a little bit of something of what it's like to have a challenge or to have pain or to have loneliness or confusion, whatever it may be. So if I share my story, you're going to understand that. You're not alone. Number two, I share because they will understand that it's not all about me because I point the finger at Jesus. I point everything towards Jesus. It's his way. My life is his life. And this path he has me on has purpose. And the shoes he blessed me to be in, even though sometimes I don't like it, are the shoes he blessed me to be in. And number three, I share so others can empathize. I would like people to empathize with me rather than judge me. I would like to empathize with other people and not feel like I'm standoffish or judging them, which is what I try really hard to do because I've been on the other end of it many times in my life where I have been judged. You know, even with these shoes I walk in and these challenges I have, I'm blessed. I love to walk. I love to hike. I hiked the Grand Canyon once and I've hiked in deserts and in the mountains and I love to travel. I love to be out in the yard and do gardening and walk on trails and play with my dog. And I do housework. Yes, folks, I I feel blessed to be able to do housework. (laughs) It's not always the case, but and sometimes I need help. But I have spent many an hour doing housework. Okay, partly because I have OCD, but there are things that I can accomplish including housework. And I'm thankful for it. I might have to do things a little bit differently than someone else or a little bit slower or a little bit more cautiously or do them at a different pace in a different way, as I said, than someone else, but I still do them. Because I share so candidly doesn't mean I want somebody to feel sorry for me. That means I want to share with them the fact that I can rejoice even in the middle of my pain. Even though my shoes may be uncomfortable at times and in this path I have this path I have to walk on is really challenging and difficult, I'm still here and I'm here for a reason. And you're where you are for a reason and a purpose. If you share what it's like to be in your shoes, then you are helping others to learn how to empathize and to stretch themselves spiritually and to stretch themselves mentally and to stretch them their abilities in a godly way. That's why I share what I share. That's why I'm an open book. When you share with other people, you help break down stereotypes and ignorance and open up a world of compassion. The Bible says we're supposed to share when we've come through something, that if we've gone through the fire, we are supposed to reach back and help somebody else come through their fire. We can't do that if we clam up. 
We can't do that if we just stand on some pedestal or high horse horse and point fingers at other people and complain about how they have no empathy. If we don't up, open up about who we are sincerely, genuinely, truthfully, and realistically and share what our life and our paths and our challenges are like, what it's like to be in our shoes, then we can't expect not one ounce of empathy from someone else because they can't read our minds. They can only see what they see from the outside. I'm not mad at the people who look at me and say, hey, you shouldn't have a handicap sticker. Do I think they're rude? Yeah, they can be rude. Do I think some of them are perhaps concerned that maybe someone else in a wheelchair might show up and not have a place to park because I've parked there and I don't look like I should be parking in handicap parking? Yeah, I do think that happens. And and I think many, many years ago, I probably had a little bit of the same attitude. But they don't know unless they ask and they don't know unless I share. And if they automatically judge without asking and without finding out information, then they have just closed themselves off to empathy. Okay. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today is shoes. So I'm going to share with you again, the pod quote that I shared at the beginning by uh, Miss Sheba Santa. Ready? If shoes had eyes, it would be amazing as well as devastating, to realize just what it takes to walk in someone else's shoes. So I encourage you today to not only share your story so someone knows what it's like to be in your shoes, but also so someone else will know that they're not alone if they have similar shoes that they have to walk in and a similar journey and a path to walk on that someone else gets it. I encourage that for you, but I encourage it for yourself too, so that you can stretch and grow and learn how to exercise your empathy with others. So I appreciate you joining me today. Again, I encourage you to please share this podcast and hop on out to Instagram and follow me at one woman inspired. That's the number one woman inspired. Have a blessed day. 